Hello and welcome to the Hello Darkness podcast. I'm your host, Esther Adelkoff. In this week's episode, I sit down with Buria Silverstein. Buria and I discuss her path to becoming a lactation consultant, the pain and shock of her spinal cord injury, the self-care and commitment to her healing along the way, and the very hard work that is behind miracles. It is a story of profound resilience. It is a vulnerable, honest, and raw exploration of what happens when you have to confront how little is actually in our control. I learned so much from speaking with Buria. Without any further ado, I present this week's episode, Hello Resilience. Hello, Buria. Welcome. Hi. So nice to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. So I just want to start off by asking you to tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your journey. Great. Okay. Well, I grew up in Crown Heights. Um, I I think the bulk of why we're here is my accident. I mean, there. Which I sometimes forget about all the other things about me right now. Let's start with who you are as a as a whole person. As a whole person, that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I grew up in Crown Heights. I went to Base Rifka. I kind of did things like pretty conventionally, but always with a little bit of a twist. Um, I went to college and I got a degree in business, mm. which I loved studying. Like I never knew exactly what I was going to do with it, but I like really enjoyed it. It was really fun for me. I started off in Turo and then I went to Brooklyn College um, and I got my degree in business and I had always worked alongside with my mom who is a lactation consultant and a homeopath and herbalist and she completely secretly trained me mm-hmm. in lactation, like kind of force, we joke. And it ended up being kind of like great because I just acquired all this knowledge and this skill and um, through this injury, being that I was just um, home a little bit more after my therapy than I would usually be like out and super social, I ended up working like completely hands-on, like full-on, um, with a little less protesting than I mm. used to. And I'm almost fully certified in lactation now. Like I went to That's go... That's so exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. So I had all the training. I had like almost like triple the amount of training I needed in hours wise, which we were laughing, maybe even five times the amount. But then I just started um, doing the nitty gritty little like, you know, certification that I needed and I'm almost there. So it's pretty exciting. That's from holding now. I want to hear so much more about the lactation training because the mother infant bond yes. is like the most imprinting relationship that lasts through a lifetime yeah it's amazing and and it's so interesting to be doing that work with your mother yeah oh that's a good point so yeah. meta. <laughs> <laughs> that's true um it's pretty special i think i took it for granted for a very long time mm-hmm. how much i knew um my mother's really really a master at it and just being around her um and observing and then she would always like you know, she would train me and then like, even if I wasn't in the room, there was something unique she needed me to see. She would always call me in and sometimes it would go begrudgingly. And then afterwards I would be like blown away. Um, because there's such a, there's also like an intimate relationship you take on with your patients. They're vulnerable. A lot of them are new time moms or Mm -hmm. they're experienced moms who are having a new issue that they're not used to. So you're kind of seeing people vulnerable and you really get to bond with them and kind of see them in their raw essence, which is a very beautiful experience to just really see the essence of people and be able to help them. For me specifically, it's very empowering because I feel like I kind of spend a lot of my day working where I'm not so good at yet, which is Mm. what is needed of me now. Um, But that can sometimes be like mood dampering, but it's just like... so frustrating to constantly be working towards something, practicing, practicing. Yes. That's not easy for me and, you know, it's a different kind of work feeling accomplished in my day-to-day work that's needed of me. And then to be able to come home and be good at something and help someone a lot is very empowering. So I've actually found it to be such a blessing, something that I used to be like, oh my gosh, I guess I'm doing this because it's like in my DNA and it's like the right thing to study because it was around me and Mm -hmm, so accessible. And then it kind of became really a gift to me where I could feel empowered and I feel like that's a very nice for me healthy balance where I spend the first part of my day like 
really getting into the spots where I'm not good at yet. Yeah. And that's empowering in itself. Um, and it's necessary and then coming home to do something that I can succeed at a little bit more easily has been a very it's been a really yeah. nice balance to for find me a sense of mastery while yeah. there's so much that like there's another area of your life that you're working towards but like here you found your empowerment your mastery yeah yeah, yeah. I'm curious if you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about your accident as you say yeah Yes, I, I am comfortable. Mm. Um, it's a very, very long story. So the kind of outline of it, and you can ask me anything you want along mm. the way, we can get into anything deeper. Um, I was it, was, it was after Shabbos one Saturday night and I was walking home from the gym, I had the right of way, it was a little rainy outside, and on the corner of my block I was hit by a tow truck. Um, I was halfway under the tow truck, and I remember thinking like, oh my God, should I like stand up and run? Or should I like, squeeze myself and like let him continue driving like under like I it was really like a cra I remember feeling like this is a crazy decision to have to make and mm -hmm. I just like jumped up and ran and I remember like really experiencing adrenaline for the first time like when I was hit like I got this searing pain and then all of a sudden you feel nothing yeah. and then I got up and it was like just a, so it was so surreal the whole experience and I remember thinking like wow I'm kind of okay and um Hatsala was called and my parents came and I went to the emergency room and I was fine at the time. Um, I was hit into my right hip and I fell into my left elbow and knee and they thought mm -hmm. my elbow and knee was broken and my pelvis was broken and it turned out everything was fine. I was like bashed up and bruised and like kind of traumatized, but I was fine. And I remember thinking like, wow, like you can either have like a broken pelvis, knee and elbow or you can be totally fine. That's so crazy. Like it was kind of so eerie to me like how that works um and i was like okay i'm gonna take really good care of myself i'm gonna get really strong again and i you know i recovered from that i i did a lot of good stuff i went to like sports injury massage and a chiropractor and cranial mm -hmm. sacral therapy and like did a lot I did some homeopathy did went back to the gym like did some like really good stuff and 10 months later i was in the city and i started feeling numb and tingly in one arm and numb and tingly in the other arm and Within two hours of that onset feelings, I went back from the city to Dr. Rosen's office and I ended up becoming paralyzed in his office. And it turned out that I had, from the impact of my, in, my the tow truck hitting me, my spine was incrementally swelling over those 10 months. And it ended up getting to the point where it couldn't swell anymore. And then all the nerves from my shoulders and down um, C3 for any doctors or medical students, um, completely suffocated. And I had no nerve conductivity. And I mean, you know, it's like a lengthy story, but it was like I was in the neuro wing for three and a half months and every doctor told me I'd never walk again. And they're kind of very like matter of fact. Yeah. And it must have um, been so scary. It was, it was really scary. Yeah. I remember being, it was like, Dr. Rosen diagnosed exactly the type of spinal cord injury I had in his office and he had never seen it before. It was pretty remarkable. So I was like, okay, you know what this is. Let's just quickly fix it. And he was like, oh no, you have to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, no, let's just fix it here. And then three yeah, days. Yeah, that like <laughs> clinging to yeah. like maybe yeah. anything. Like maybe this isn't going to be as hard as I think it's going to be. Maybe right. Maybe let's, let's make it not scary. Let's exactly. just get it over with. Exactly. I was like, no, no, you've got this. I trust yeah. you, you've got this. And I, went, I ended up going to the emergency room and three days later they confirmed what he said. But not as um, optimistically as him. They said that there was no way to reverse the spinal cord damage, that the damage to my spine was permanent and really intense. It ended up being that my spinal cord had completely swollen from side to side mm. and I had lesions, which is like pockets of swelling, more so on my right side, which is the side that I was hit mm. into. And it was really, really scary. That must have been so unsettling because here you are thinking like you're doing all the right stuff and yeah. you're recovering and then like 10 months later out of nowhere it comes up again like while you're working through the whole trauma of being hit by yeah. a tow truck. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was very, um, it, it was, I think a good word was unsettling, is unsettling because I felt like I quote unquote did everything right. And you had the worst behind you. And I had the worst behind me. And I even felt like when I was crossing the street, I kind of did everything right. Like I wasn't on my phone. I crossed my street correctly. It was a very, 
I would say very humbling experience to realize that we need to do our part in this world, but there is definitely, we are not fully in charge. And that was something that was very, truthfully, the only word that comes to my mind, it was very humbling. Like I was just like, wow. um, Wow. How do you sit with that? Because I think we're all confronted with that in our life, whether we, I think we all try to hide from that. Right. We try to be in control. And how do we, how do you rumble or reckon with that being so out of control? That's a good question. I think, um, I think it's just, um, like a decision. I feel like there were all these decisions I had to make with regard to how I was going to function through all this. And one of them was that, you know, accepting that was going to get me further than spending so much time questioning it and Mm. mulling it over. I felt like that answer, that question was greater than me. And I just didn't see myself getting that answer. So instead of spending time mulling it over, mulling it over, I kind of just accepted it and was like, well, that's not comfortable or fair. Mm. Like I acknowledged the way it made me felt. And then I was like, I feel like I don't have a choice but to power forward and not Mm. get stuck there because I just didn't think that I would get any answers that would be satisfying enough. Yeah, I, I think we can spend so much time really focusing on all the ways in which life is unfair and yes wildly and painfully unfair completely and the question always is like and what are you going to do about it right right and and i think it i think for me the word control is like a big element of this journey because on one hand i had to completely take control of my recovery um Everyone told me I'd never walk again, like every medical professional. And, and here you are walking. And here I am getting there. Yes, thank God. It's Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, but I've ha- I had to really take control in certain areas and really let go of control in other areas. And to me, that was an extremely, and it still is, someone being like a control freak. Um, that's like a hard balance to find. Like I need to take control of my mind and commit myself fully to this process every day all over again. And you need to let go of the things that you can't control. Exactly. And I have to like, and that's mentally and physically and emotionally. Like there's certain things that I have to like force my body to do. And then there's other things I have to relax into. So it's, it's a challenge. It's not easy and it hasn't been easy. Yeah. Something that came to my mind as you were talking is like, isn't it crazy how much work miracles take? Yes, 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 and it's yes, and the fact you bring up this one word, it took me, and I, I, I hope I'm not incriminating myself when I say this. Like, it took me a very long time to get comfortable with the word miracle with regard to my story because people would look at me like progressively, like they hadn't seen me in a few months, mm. or and they'd be like, "Oh my god, it's a miracle! Oh my god, it's a miracle!" And meanwhile, I You're was like, "I'm sitting here working my ass yes, off." Yes, <laughs> I was almost like offended. I'm like, "Miracles are something that just happened to you. Like miracles are like that's like when you one thing happens and you wake up fine." And I was like, "Blood, sweat, and tears." To yeah. this very day, it still takes blood, sweat, and tears. So I was like, "This is the hardest earned miracle ever." And then, like as cheesy as this sounds, I'm like. Splitting of the Red Sea was a miracle, but apparently it was like very hard work. Like, you know, you always are like, it's as hard as splitting the Red Sea. And then it really made me think like, wow, some, that there are two dimensions to the word miracle. And I was only aware of one before. And then this experience taught me there really is two elements there. There's a, there's a miracle that comes easily. And there's a miracle that you have to work so hard for. And it took me a while. And then I'm like, so if a miracle is so hard earned, then what's the miracle? And I, for me with this, I kind of, I'm accepting the, or naming the miracle as like the fact that like the ability to get better, that even though I have to work so hard, I'm given that option. It's a miracle that you didn't give up on yourself. Okay. That's a miracle. Yeah. (laughs) It's a miracle miracle because you had every single excuse. Yeah. You had like every single reason to be like, fuck it. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I think it was like. I think it was like, like I was saying before, like after three days and everyone was like, you'll never walk again, you'll never walk again. And, and it was NYU and it's like a teaching hospital. So anytime anyone's in the room, it's not just 
I mean, there's like 30 people in the yeah. room. It's like you have the doctor and the attending and the resident and the nurse practitioner. It was so hard. It was really hard because I'm not a performer. Like anyone who knows me, I'm not shy, but I'm really not a performer. And you're kind of like on display yeah. and you're almost like this like science experiment. Like everyone just it's looks- It's so dehumanizing. It's so dehumanizing. There were two experiences where I looked at the doctors and I, there was one morning, it was like 6 a.m. This like army, and anyone who knows me, I'm not a morning person. And this, <laughs> this army of people would come in wide eyed and I finally lost it. I There was this doctor and she was just grouchy and I was like, this is my life. And you walk in here every day with a grouchy face and anything I show you that I can do, look, I can wiggle a toe, look, I can move my wrist. You kind of roll your eyes and you give me a slew of bad news and your students look at me wide eye like they're like in some lab. I'm like, I'm a human. And unless you can acknowledge with me every morning three things that you see better in me, you're not welcome in this room. I'm like, you need to be kind to Ooh, me. Like, I know. That is such like, powerful self-advocacy. Really? Oh, yeah. That not is like incredible. complete chutzpah. Yeah, well, it's, what is chutzpah about self Like, to have yeah. that thing to say, like, we can talk all the bad news, whatever. I'm not going to shy away from it. But let's take a moment to, like, gratitude, progress. Yeah. Acknowledge me as a human. Let's, yeah. That was, yeah, thank you. It was really important to me. And I also felt like her students needed to hear that. I was like, you're all looking at me wide-eyed and it's fascinating what you see and that's showing on your faces. Meanwhile, this is a really intense, hard This is the hardest time. thing that ever happened to you. Yeah, this is the scariest, hardest, craziest thing that I'm still wrapping my head around and you're all looking at me with glee. I said, you need to stop, take a step back, look at me as a human and then you're all welcome to learn off of me, but only once you treat me like a human. And then I made rules, like only nurses with good attitudes were allowed in my room. That's only like, I like handpicked my staff. I'm like, you can stay because I needed that positive energy because again, everyone told me I'd never walk again. And I, three days in was like, I took it, I was so scared. I was, I remember thinking like, wow, I get it. Like people can really like pass out from fear. I like couldn't mm. breathe. I remember being like, mom, I can't, breathe I'm so scared and she gave me some homeopathy that actually really helped me it just gave me air in my lungs again I remember taking a deep breath and I was like okay whatever this is I've got this and I'm gonna do it and I feel like I almost decided with every fiber in my being like 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 my toenails my eyelashes like all of me committed to do this no matter what and then I just blocked out all the noise but it's hard because it's not like you decide that and then you're good for the rest of the journey like you have to every day recommit recommit re recommit and I remember looking at these doctors and I'm like they don't get to decide that I'm done that the world is done with me and I'm done with the world I was like that's like a God thing God just that makes those decisions mm. not people and I felt like I still had work to do here in this world and like you know things to learn and thing people to meet and experiences to have and I was like no like I'm not done and I think that's what helped me like that like I mean, I guess you could call it self-love and, you know, this desire to just be alive that really just helped fuel me and just fight for this. And they thought I was nuts. I was like, I'm going to run down the street in heels. And they were like, oh no, like, <laughs> and they would send in the neuropsychiatrist and they were like, sweetie, like you're not walking period. And I was like, watch me. And they were like, okay, crazy patient in room 12, you know, but it was like the self-talk and the self-like like worth that I would convince myself. I'm like, you're worth living and you still have stuff to do. And I would just tell myself that. That is so <laughs> unbelievably kind. And I think something to note, it's like if anyone would have told you, like you have to say three things that you're proud of every day, right. you would have been like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do, like three right. things. Like, it'd been like, do you see what's going right. on here? But to find it within yourself yeah, is yeah, so you're powerful. Right. Because if anyone would have told you that, it's like, yeah. are you crazy? Right. Like, you it's were the true. only person that could, like, decide to commit to this process and this journey. Yes. And it's awe-inspiring that Thank you did. You. And I think it's a true testament of, like, self-love and, Thank like, commitment you. to yourself. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's not, you know, some people have the privilege and the luck of like you know I feel grateful I was raised with a lot of love which gives you self-love and self-appreciation and self-worth but it was so interesting to me in this moment I was like everything you get and acquire from your childhood is priceless you know 
But in that moment, it was really about completely discovering it for myself in a whole new way. What did you discover in those moments? I think a different kind of like self-worth and self-love that is not something that anyone else can give you, but is something that you just, either you work, spend a lot of years finding, or you're in this crazy life or death situation and you almost choose it. Like you almost convince yourself so deeply to the point where it's like undeniable to yourself. Like a doctor would come in and be like, so you're never going to walk again, but, and I'd be like, no, no. Like I would just tell like, it gives you the ability to make decisions for yourself and not be influenced by what the people around you are saying, even if they're allegedly the ones making the choices for you, you kind of realize that at the end of the day, you are making the choices for you. And if you're so sure, like really nothing can get in your way, but it's a lot of work and it's not. Yeah, it's not easy. No. I think like that's the like the thing here, like you can do it. Yes. And it's going to be the hardest thing that you've ever done and it's going to never get easier. Never. It never gets easier. It never gets easier. Never. Like everyone's like, you know, people will see me, they're like, oh my gosh, isn't it so much easier than a year ago? I'm like, no, no, no. If anything, it's harder. (laughs) Like the better I get, the more my practitioners are pushing me, the more I push myself. And like, I feel like one of the biggest things that this experience has taught me is like success of any kind, whatever that means for you, whether it's small or huge or, or like this feels life size to me. Like, you know, it's pos- it makes me think that it made me realize that anything is possible, but it is such hard work and it's consistent and you don't have the luxury of giving up and you don't have the luxury of like taking off from that commitment to yourself. Um, but it's possible. You just yeah. have to, like you said, make it a miracle, like create your own miracle. And it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. I literally have chills as we're talking. <laughs> so sweet. Yeah. I'm curious. I think if you're living with such a high level of like commitment and like hard work, how do you take care of yourself? Oh, that's a good, so yeah, I guess the, the good news is that I'm so vain. I went into this journey vain and I <laughs> remain vain. Like, like I feel like, you know, anyone that saw me in the hospital, like my nails were done at all times. Like, you know, I, I my it. hair was blow dried. Like for me, um, it's, I joke because a lot of the things that if someone would look through my calendar, it kind of sounds glamorous. I spent the morning in Pilates, the afternoon at acupuncture, but right now it's like grueling work in the form yeah. that I'm doing it. Um, so for me right now, it's like, it could sound so silly, but it's the small things that still make me feel like a person consistently throughout it. Like I love nail polish. I just really do. Um, and the fact that my mother in the midst of all the crisis would sit there and paint my nails and like friends would bring me nail polish. Yeah. And my friends would bring me different nail polish. So I had like a little salon. I had like color choices. Um, and I'm like, I'd like a 10 minute shoulder massage, you know? And it was just so like, you know, um, I, I, my mom ordered me all these t-shirts in my color palette. Um, and I, the nurses would like lotion my arms and legs and, um, blow dry my hair. So even though I was like, paralyzed in a hospital bed it's like doesn't get more like sad than that but I mean you know teach their own but I still kind of felt human and and you know for me it was like these little superficial things I think it's about like what makes you feel alive like what makes you feel you what makes you feel like ready to take on the world yes without judgment like some people it's their nail polish some people it's like Reading the New York Times. Right. Whatever yeah. makes you feel like ready to tackle the world. Yeah, no, 100%. And I feel like it's funny, like I do like to read and I do like to learn new things. For the longest time when I was in the hospital, like I, it took so much like mind power and willpower to like push myself and to work as hard as was needed of me, like, you know, four plus hours of therapy a day and then practitioners being snuck into my room you know, in the evening to like, you know, do more holistic working on me. And like, there was just so much going on that I didn't have, like, I couldn't like sit there and read like an intense book, yeah. but like, I wanted to feel like a person and I wanted, you know, the people working with me in the hospital to see me as a person. So 
anything that made me feel like something that would be part of my routine, like eventually when like I could handle the sensory and you know, my favorite pair of earrings. And I know this all sounds so superficial, but it just made me feel like a person, like, you know, my leggings would match my t-shirt, which matched my sneakers. And I just, you know, like wanted to feel as human as I could in kind of like Taking a ownership of what you can take ownership yes, of. Right. Choosing my yeah. t-shirt color. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. like, I think I, I don't want to like trivialize this in any way, but no. all popped into my head. Like, I think like us in like quarantine on some level, we're all like experiencing like a micro dose of like what you went through, like your whole life being like usurped and like, <laughs> yeah. like I see my Bubby every single day of quarantine gets dressed puts on her pearls. Oh, my hat off to her. Takes a <laughs> selfie. And like, yeah. you know, like why, why do we do these things? Yeah. It's like, it makes us feel human. And yeah. it's so important. Do not underestimate. Yeah, no, it was huge for me. And I think I went from like, in a certain sense, like a patient in a hospital gown to like, like you said, like a, like a girl who made choices that morning. And it just made me like, I think the fact that my, the therapist in the hospital and the nurse is like, you know, they saw me as a person who like cared to take care of herself amidst crisis. It was like, that was our, also our point of relatability. Like they couldn't relate to what I was going on, but they were like, oh my gosh, I used to get my nail color in that color. I love it. And oh my gosh, I have similar pair of sneakers to you. And it was like, it, I think also like we bonded as people, not only as also like, as women, as women. Yeah. It was, and it was interesting. It was really humbling. Like there's been this whole experience is really humbling like the my therapist like my occupational therapist and nurses and physical therapists were kind of in my age range um and it was really hard for me in the beginning and i'm sure that brought up so much yeah i was like why are they taking care of me like it just felt like you know um but then as i was there a long time and we had a lot of bonding time and it was like we started bonding on these little superficial things and um, in addition to the big experiences and it was just kind of like it was fun and nice um, to have that to relate to them and just keep things a little bit lighter when everything was so intense yeah I think you need to create those like pockets of lightness yes because the heaviness is there you don't have to force the heaviness the heaviness True. is automatic yeah but like can you still be light and I think like that's where like a mindfulness comes in. Like when it's heavy, be present with the heaviness. Yeah. Don't try to hide from it. And when it's light, let it be light. A hundred percent. And I felt like um, I couldn't, one thing that was like powerful learning experience for me was I couldn't escape the really heavy times. Like there were times where I just like broke down and like just uncontrollably sobbed. I mean, I still do sometimes. It's still really hard. And I, realized like five hours ago <laughs> right i'm like me the other minute you know but it was just literally um, really oh well, you look beautiful and there's no trace there's like a glowiness so maybe it was a good thing the post cry i love it yeah my aunt would tell me she's like you look so much prettier after you cry i'm like what does that even mean um so um but i felt like i couldn't stop it like that wasn't an option i couldn't not cry so what i learned to do was completely be okay with falling apart and this is like an obvious natural and an experience of course, of course right yeah. right like of course like it's I'm, a normal reaction to a right. normal situation totally it would be concerning if you were like right. okay amazing. thank you right i know like <laughs> right so i wouldn't like you know because i wasn't in my own space and the when you're in the hospital the doors can be open at any time so i could be having like a complete sob fest and then the janitor's walking in and a nurse and a nurse aide and i'm like mm. are you kidding me but i learned to be like comfortable and like appreciate the fact that this was a completely appropriate re response and reaction to what was going on um but what was a powerful learning experience for me was like not wallowing it in it longer than it needed like completely allowing it completely letting it have its course my meltdown and then trying to like get back to what i needed to do sooner than later like well, i think there's space to like feeling your feelings while they're Completely. happening, but th sometimes we get addicted to the misery. Yeah. And I've definitely been there because it's like, it's like a question of like, in this moment, are you okay? Right. In this moment, are you safe? In this moment, do you have everything that you need? In this moment, right. is everything okay in your internal world? Right. Actually, yes. 
even though like I still have like a cuck going from like right. three hours ago and right. I still have like a whole thing going on like right. to like let it go like actually yeah. I'm fine right now right and actually I'm not fine right now right I'm, I'm gonna be not fine correct and that was um you know in full disclosure that was like newer for me to experience like not allowing the like lingering of the like meltdown to like last too long you know sure I can feel it and it's totally appropriate in the moment it's not appropriate to feel this for the next three days because I've got work to do and I am not in a world alone right now um, I'm in a world where there's a lot of people around me um, and I need their help and I want to be as pleasant as I can to be around so that this journey is just a little bit easier for all of us to handle so it was like pretty um, difficult but also empowering to like learn to like allow my meltdown and then try and like recover from it in an appropriate amount of time so that well, it doesn't I don't think there's a necessarily like an appropriate amount okay, of time okay fine yeah <laughs> like right but i think you were like so compelled by your mission like right. i have work to do right. we have work to do right. and i think that's something that came from really deep within you because no one yeah. was putting you on a timeline right no you're right true yeah i i feel like i i don't know how horrible this sounds but like i almost never felt and still don't feel like I had the luxury of like letting my misery overtake me too much because I need every and needed every ounce of my strength to fight this and to power through so it was like kind of like I would get to this point like after I would like really melt down right and then I would kind of like rationalize and I'd be like okay this just took a lot of energy out of me which is a fine but I don't I really need this kind of energy like literally physically to push through so at this point, I can like conserve the rest of my energy to keep fighting this because mm -hmm. I need it, you know, and I don't, if I deplete it too much longer, I'm not going to be able to fight, which is what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So I tried to get myself to be able to like melt down and feel everything for as long mm -hmm. as felt needed and then try and like recover and, you know, go back to what I was doing. That's really powerful self-parenting. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, it's okay that you felt yeah. that way. It's okay. And, and now let's let's move on. Like you right. had time to feel your feelings and if they're still with you, that makes sense. Yeah. But now it's time to go to physical therapy. Right. Please God, I'll be like a good parent. You can call me out on this and be like, you know how to do this. You yeah. do. You're, it's, it's, it's beautiful to see. Oh, thank you. I'm sure so much of your life shifted and you, you've had to adjust so much of your life. And I yes. think adjustments are the most painful transitions adjustments they're just so painful even if it's for a positive thing but especially if it's like under scary circumstances it's so unsettling and I'm curious how do you find yourself in the middle of adjustment how do you regulate how do you cope with it yeah that's a good that's a good one um it's hard you know like again like you know at the risk of sounding repetitive like I've learned that anything is possible literally anything but it doesn't mean that any of it is easy. Um, and I think that for me with all of this, like every new transition and every adjustment phase is really challenging. Like I remember right when I came back from the hospital, I was in the hospital for seven months. Um, I was in NYU for four months, like first in their like, like neuro wing and then they moved me to a different floor, which is their like hospital rehab. And then I had to go to a nursing home, which is like a, um, a nursing it was like a hospital rehabilitation center mm -hmm. as well and you know full like medical staff and hospital beds and you know just all that um, and then I was so like my fantasy was like coming home and then I came home and it was so exciting and then it was so scary like yeah. I remember my friends were like wanted to take me out to eat which was like so exciting and terrifying at the same time and I was like Oh my goodness like you know when people come back out of prison they have like reintegration I'm like therapy or whatever I'm like yeah. oh my god like I feel like I need reintegration therapy 100%. like this is so scary and I remember thinking that that's kind of how I felt like everything that was like that I would dream about doing when I was able to do it it went from being so exciting to so scary and like what was the fear that's a good question. I think maybe part of it was like doing something that, let's say for instance, like going out to eat 
something I've done a million times, something I like. There's so many steps that we take for granted. Yeah, and I was doing something that I was so quote unquote good at before, and now <laughs> getting dressed. I'm a professional dressed, restaurant eater. <laughs> like I know how to get dressed up and go, and I kind of like that whole experience. Like you get dressed up, you go to a restaurant, and here it was like the first time I was back at a restaurant. I was like with a walker and a lot of assistants and in a pair of leggings and sneakers, not by choice, you know, kind of just by necessity. Um, and the experience like that I had fantasized, I was actually there, but it was so different. Yeah. It was so different. And I think so there's something painful in getting our fantasies, no matter what. Yeah. Cause they're just never as good. Yeah. And, and especially I think, cause it was something that I had done so many times and I was doing the same exact thing, but under completely different circumstances and it's very humbling and it's like it's almost like it was so vulnerable to share my recovery kind of I think I was also stepping into the world with my injury and my recovery whereas people were visiting me a lot and you know my people would joke that my hospital room was like a party room and it was like kind of like you know there was like a lot of people and there was like a lot of excitement and nice energy in the room it was you know um fun even some you know even fun but then I was like, they were coming into my space and I was kind of in my hospital bed just there. And then walking, which was something that you do without thinking. And for me, it was so not doing it without thinking that I was like entering the world with my injury. And it was just like a really intense level of vulnerability that I wasn't like prepared for. And it's still even hard for me now sometimes. There's nothing easy about being vulnerable. No. And yeah for me it wasn't something that I was like so comfortable always showing outwardly like in public (laughs) yeah you know the hardest part is like the choice of deciding now I'm going to be vulnerable right in some levels was taken away from you correct it's like you don't know who you're going to bump into when you're out and about it's out there in the open and I think that sort of vulnerability is so taxing because it's turned on and it only turns off when you get home correct and it's just constant and you know even you know it's been years later and thank god i'm progressing a lot and still have some ways to go but it's still i'm like vulnerable every time like you said i leave my house um and it's hard yeah i think you you said it really well it's like not a vulnerability that i'm choosing i mean i'm choosing to go out anyways um but every time i'm out it's still vulnerable you know, and even if I get comfortable with, you know, being out with my friends, we don't own this world, <laughs> even yeah. if we think we do, <laughs> you know, there's still other people coming and going and like what I'm struggling with um, is so much on the outside. And I remember having this conversation with someone, you know, must have been actually a few people at this point, like, you know, there's different kinds of struggles and like there's pros and cons to each struggle. I'm a little bit more um, of a private person. So having my struggle on the outside and so obvious was something that was really, really hard for me. Um, I would so much rather fake it till I make it, but it just literally was is not yeah. possible in this kind of situation. But so that's like really intense for me, really intense. Um, I think a big part of like the control thing, which I definitely I could like micromanage a salad. Yes. Like, oh <laughs> yeah, easy, easy. It's like wanting to present that veil of perfection always yeah yeah and having to just like surrender and it's so not perfect it's so not perfect and like I guess the gift that comes with something being on you know so external is that you know the love and the support that you get is really remarkable um and the love and support I've gotten is like endless and continuous and like to this day and I'm always like oh my gosh it's so I'm so it's so humbling to see that people are not like bored of my injury yet you know they're still so loving and supportive well, it's a big deal to be able to take it in yeah yeah it's it's yeah it's a big it is and you know people have shared with me you're they're like you know people who have struggles on the inside that people don't you know maybe they look quote unquote like you said perfect with that halo but then they don't always get the love and support that they need without asking because people can't tell there's no getting that support without vulnerability, which is right. which is a really painful paradox that you need to crack the veil of perfection in order to get that support. But 
cracking the veil of perfectionist so hard and painful. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I think that there's like different work that needs to be done, you know, when you choose to be vulnerable versus if you didn't choose it and it just happens, you know, like I really admire people that don't have their injury, you know, out in the open to everyone and they still choose to be vulnerable. Like to me, that's really admirable because being on the other side of it, I'm like, wow, this is really, this is like, ugh. like it's really rough to be vulnerable so often and I'm not choosing it. So I really admire anyone that does it as a conscious choice. Yeah, and the truth is that we're all wildly vulnerable. Like, our bodies are vulnerable, our minds are vulnerable, people in our life are vulnerable. Like, it's really painful to be a human. Yeah, it really can, it really can be. And yeah. I, yeah, I guess like, I guess that we fight for ourselves because it's also really spectacular to be a human, you know? It's also wildly beautiful and there's so much connection and yeah. joy available and I think that's like, really what makes it all worth it a thousand percent and I think also like there's this constant duality like where you said it's like really hard to be a human but it's also really spectacular and for me this journey is filled with like duality of like the same thing the same experience the same challenge being like remarkably empowering and also like devastating and heartbreaking and really rough um, and trying to find the balance of like, you know, definitely not letting the intensity of the duality supersede how remarkable it can be and just trying to keep it balanced. Make space to hold both. Make space to hold both because, I mean, for me right now, that's how life is presenting and it seems that that's like a lot of life, yeah. um, which was, you know, a, a, an eye-opener for me, but it, it's also it's an interesting learning experience that you can take something that's really awful and with a lot a lot a lot of work um consistent work committed work try and make it something great yeah i think there our pain is the deepest place within us it's like we can only go as deep as our pain lets us go with ourselves, with others. And it kind of sucks that it has to be through our pain. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I think it just, um, pain hurts and it's like, so it's so in your face that it's, you know, the real intense stuff is like, eventually becomes hard to push away. So you kind of have to like, face it head on um, and well, you could spend a lot of your life running away from facing it yeah head on. yeah no true yeah the only way to face it is head on but you can yeah you can avoid that's it for, true yes it, I guess can... yeah except if you get hit by a tow truck but <laughs> other than that yes <laughs> lucky me <laughs> yeah but it's true like you said it's kind of like unfortunately or fortunately where the magic happens it's like you know I feel like we become a force to be reckoned with because we literally reckon with a force yeah you know like yeah whoa you yeah. know like and chills. Whole body chills. <laughs> yeah it's it's just like you kind of tackle a beast and then you're like oh my goodness little me can be stronger than this beast and it's really empowering and then the next day you struggle with something else and you're like wait wait wasn't i a beast like where am i why am i tiny again you know and it's like this really hard balance of like keeping yourself powerful you know while you're navigating everything and like you said it's not always you know a, no matter what we're going through we'll always sh try and shift away certain some of the pain and like oh we don't want to deal with it all we'll deal with it later yeah. and like once you get brave enough to really like take it full on it's so intense but it's really magical. It can be really magical. Yeah, yeah. This is like pretty hypothetical, but I'm curious. What would you want to tell yourself, like, Maria in the hospital, oh. if you can go back and like at this point in your life, tell yourself something? Yeah, I definitely wouldn't tell myself how long and hard this would be. <laughs> That's what I wouldn't tell myself. Um, 
Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, wow, you're really getting me to think outside my box because um, I'm always thinking forward, forward, forward. Um, I think I would just, you know, keep telling myself that like, just how lucky I was that despite everything that was going on, I had so much love and support, um, which is just priceless. And just remind myself how lucky I am, you know, even though the situation is so crazy. And I think I would tell myself that I was really proud that I decided to do this mm. um, because it was such a big, it was such a big like commitment and promise that I made to myself. Mm. And no part of it was easy, but I think that because I'm so stubborn and once I say something, I really want to see it through. Like, unfortunately, it's like really hard for me to like do a project halfway that I'd really be grateful that I chose to do this and didn't let this win. I'm just sitting with this because there's so much in that. I think these sort of things are like truly like only things we could tell ourselves and we can't be told to be grateful. Right. We can only be grateful. And I think the thing that a lot of people get wrong about gratitude is like, if I'm grateful, I'm not acknowledging my pain and you can hold right. both pain and gratitude at the same time. And that's the work. That's yeah, that's deep. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. Um, I think if you, you, you need to make space for both and they both take up a lot of space. They certainly do. <laughs> so it's like hard to, a lot of the time, you know, to find that balance and to be grateful when, you know, they're like, like sometimes I'm so grateful and then I'm having such a rough day and I like cannot even remember ever being grateful. <laughs> I'm like, how do I have amnesia? Like I can quickly remember what was traumatic for me. Like, you know, you ask me and I can list you 10 things, but sometimes when I'm like in this funk, I'm like, was I ever grateful in my life? You know, it's like this whole drama. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's accurate what you said. They both take up so much space and it's important to try and leave space for both of them so that they're both like at your beck and call. And not use gratitude as a way to numb your pain, but use yes. gratitude as a way to be, um, be with your pain. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I personally um, always had a little bit of a hard time with like, but really this is good, but really, you know, like all those like cheesy sayings, which Sometimes could be- Sometimes we really shame ourselves yeah. with gratitude. Like I shouldn't yeah. be complaining. Right. You I, have I, every right to complain yeah. and you can be grateful. Right. You can right. be grateful for what's good and totally- Yes. And totally acknowledge what's bad. Like, yes. why is it only okay to acknowledge what's good? Totally, yeah. And I think that that is, um, I think it's a little bit, at least for me, more of a realistic approach because if I pretend like this is like so easy and so pleasant, like, that's really like I'm fooling myself and like and how can I take my, yourself yeah. for the for the hardship that is here like it makes sense that you're feeling like this is hard yeah. this is so fucking hard it's so hard and I think that me being like so realistic with that like this is really hard and this is awful but it's still okay because it has to be okay not because it's okay because it has to be okay because I need to power through and I think me being like I think being realistic about it is like like you trust yourself more because you're more honest with yourself. Like, I feel like, you know, just like we want others yeah. to be honest with us. Like, I think it's so important for us to be honest with ourselves. No, this is not okay, but we've also got it. Yeah. Like this is hard and this is not okay. And you could still do it. Yes. Yeah. I think and is the most powerful word when you're like working through difficult things. Like this is difficult and you don't have to give up. Yeah, that's 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 a good one. I'm gonna use that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna and things a lot now. Yeah, it's a I bot. like that. It's like not but right. It's and. It's both at the same time. I like time. that. That's that's good. Thanks. That's really good. I like that. Um, I wanna check in with you. Just something that I ask all my guests. Yeah. Because the name of this podcast is Hello Darkness, and I think to everyone that means so many different things. What does saying hello to darkness mean to you? 
besides thinking of like a Blink-182 song. Yeah. Right. No, that's a good, I like the name. It's, it's like, it, it just, when you, when I read that, when you texted me, it made me pause. Like, you know, it kind of was like a showstopper name. I liked it. Um, to me, I think it means, and I hope I'm not, you know, offending what you had in mind for it to mean. Um, it's up for interpretation. Okay. I love hearing what it means to people. Okay. Okay. Nice. Um, I, I think for me, when I saw it, it meant like, like embracing the darkness and like, you know, not just like, to me, hello is like a nice, cheerful greeting. And like two people can pass each other a nod, two people can pass each other a smile. And I feel like when you say hello, you know, to a stranger or whatever, it's like, you're kind of taking that next step. Like you're really being welcoming. You're being a little extra friendly. Um, and to me, it's like, almost like not just accepting or experiencing darkness, but like kind of like, you know, introducing yourself to it and saying hello and like meeting it face to face as opposed to just like skirting around it or ducking under it. Like you're coming face to face with it and you're like, Hey, you're dark and ugly and rough, but like, hello, like I'm here. I'm come here. here. I'm, I'm here, here with my manicure. Yeah, I'm here with my manicure <laughs> <laughs> and currently split ends, but whatever quarantine. <laughs> the struggle is so yeah. real. So I, I really like, I like that. It, I, I like that idea. Like, again, this is how I understood it. I'm like, that's great. Um, because I think darkness, unfortunately can be really inevitable in everyone in, you know, to each in their own way. Every light has a shadow. Yeah. And if you, like you said, you know, you can really get used to uncomfortable, not acknowledging it and backing away or skirting around it. But when if you're able to get to a place where you're like, hello, like you're I'm Gloria, you're darkness and we're going to get acquainted and I'm going to work through you or I'm going to walk through you, whatever it is. It's like a really powerful place to get to. I have to say, I'm so grateful to have you here today. Thank I've, you. Like I've had such a girl crush on you for a while. Oh my gosh. You're We've so, like, like connected at what like parties. A compliment. <laughs> like you have like, the best always... taste in town. I'm so flattered. <laughs> We've always like spoken and it's just been such a beautiful opportunity to get to know you. Thank you. Deeper. Your spark is so beautiful. It's almost blinding. I have to say. Thank you. And it's been an honor and a privilege to have you here. Oh, thank you. I was so flattered when you asked me, I was like, really me? And I just admire so much, um, how you just like take what you want to do and you just like keep taking it to the next level. Like I remember like bumping into you over the years when you were studying and you were interning and there was never a stop to what you were doing. You just like went from studying to interning to working, you know, you were working under someone Now you have this gorgeous office. You're making a podcast. Like, I feel like you're unstoppable and that's so like, I love it. I love this like girl boss, like take over, you know, it's like, you just give off this vibe like you can take over the world and I love it. It's really, it's very inspiring. So it felt very comfortable to be here with you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know I certainly did. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can show me some love by liking, subscribing, rating, reviewing, wherever you get your podcast. And as always, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at hellodarknesspod at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at hellodarknesstherapy. I can't wait to continue this journey towards healing with you. Tune in next time. Have a wonderful day.